0: You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone.
1: Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined as always by my partner in crime, my sidekick. Really, the best way to describe this guy is really just my everything. That's at Eric Delalla.
2: Phil, it's an honor. It's a privilege. It's more than that, but they they haven't come up with the right words yet to describe (laughs) how nice it is to join you on the neutral zone.
1: Exactly. Uh, Eric, after months and months of speculation and analysis, we finally reached the point where the draft is now just two days away
2: about time
1: I know are you excited
2: yeah I think so I mean I'm you know the first round to me is uh almost a little anticlimactic. always because you only get one player I'm more of a day two type of guy
1: wow okay so day one you already know exactly what's going to happen you know it's no there's no excitement to you
2: it's not that I know what's going to happen. It's just like, say the Broncos draft, like Jerry Judy. Then you're like, oh, nice, Jerry Judy. But I'm instantly like, well, what about the rest of the holes that we need to fill? Like, what comes next? And so yeah. on, day, on day two, you have the opportunity to say, hey, we're going to get four more of these guys. And uh, now we have a great look at what the team's going to be like.
1: I see. I, I guess in some way that kind of makes sense, but.
2: I'm impatient, Phil.
1: Got it. Well, uh, we have a great show in store for Neutral Zone Nation here. We're going to be joined by NFL Network's draft guru, Daniel Jeremiah. Eric and I both talked to him, and we got into uh, some interesting topics, Eric. Maybe the most interesting question we asked him was, if Drew Locke was in this year's draft, where would he be ranked among the quarterbacks?
2: I love that question, Phil. I love speculation, as you know, as we talk about quite a bit, and that's about as speculative as I get.
1: Yeah, so uh, we asked Daniel Jeremiah that. Then uh, a little bit later, we'll hear from ESPN senior writer Jeff Legwald. Every year he comes out with his top 100. That's his ranking of the top 100 players in this year's draft. And uh, we talked to him about his process and also what he thinks uh, the Broncos' biggest needs are.
2: Yeah, and kind of a surprise there, Phil, for his number one player. Not a lot of people have this guy ranked as highly as Jeff does. I won't spoil it for people yet.
1: Yeah, and uh, just so everyone knows, he doesn't go in saying, okay, I think this guy should be the number one pick, but he just says, based off of what I've seen in college, this guy projects to be the best pro so uh, he understands that quarterbacks usually kind of uh, throw a little monkey, uh, throw what, – what's the thing They throw a wrench into the, into the works? Yeah. I, yeah. Say, well, he we, we doing all right there. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and then we'll wrap up the podcast by uh, doing a draft simulator together. Erica, each of us have done the draft simulator separately. But thought maybe it'd be fun to run through a simulator and then when it gets to the Broncos pick, we can discuss who's available, what we would do in that situation. And, uh, I think it could be fun.
2: You need my help. I think is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> then, and then maybe after we do that, we can talk about, uh, each of ours ideal situations. Here's what mm. a perfect, you know, first, second and third round would look like for the Broncos. So, Uh, How does that sound, Eric?
2: I love it. I'm ready. Let's go.
1: Okay. Well, let's get the show started with our conversation with NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah.
2: Daniel, jumping right in, uh, in your latest mock draft, you have the Broncos taking Javon Kinlaw there at number 15. What do you like about the fit there?
0: Well, he's a great player if he were to somehow get down there, Um, you know, getting some youth along that defensive front, somebody with big time upside as a pass rusher. Um, to plug into the group there, well, you know what you have on coming off the edge. I just think he'd be a great compliment to what they have. Um, and I think he's somebody that is is excited as you are about watching him at South Carolina. I think his best football is ahead of him. And we started to see that a little bit at the senior bowl uh, with what this kid can do. So uh, now I, I don't think when it's all said and done, he's going to end up getting that far. But if he did, I know there's other needs for the team. But that'd be tough to pass on a kid like that.
1: One of those other needs you mentioned could be wide receiver, such Mm -hmm. a deep class this year, but who's at the top of your board?
0: Yeah, for me, it's Ceedee Lamb. Uh, You know, I think it's a flavor discussion. It's just kind of what you're looking for. But to me, he's the kind of the prototypical number one wide receiver who can play outside. Um, He's somebody that can win down in the red zone, and he's the best of the group after the catch. He's so competitive and so tough after the catch. So that's what I love about him. Uh, But, I mean, look, Jerry Judy's the best route runner. You know, Ruggs has that otherworldly speed that he brings to the table. And I think Justin Jefferson's as polished uh, as, as we have, who's somebody that's going to just plug into the slot day one and be ready to go. So there's, there's four good options. You know, they're going to have at least one or two of those guys there, I believe, when they're on the clock. And if they do want to go wide receiver, Cortland Sutton's going to have a nice running mate.
1: You mentioned the top four guys there, but what kind of size is that gap after Jefferson?
0: Well, I think Jefferson is closer to three than to five. I have uh, Brandon Iyuk in, I think, in the early to mid-20s. But they're, I mean, look, he's, uh, Brandon Ayuk's a really good football player, but I think there's still a little bit of a gap there between him and Jefferson. But there's so many of these guys. I mean, if you wanted to wait, uh, you're going to have guys in the second, third round that can come in and help your football team. It's just uh, that big four, to me, they, they separate themselves a little bit from the rest
2: when we get to next Thursday, and it all plays out. Do you think the Broncos will have to trade up if they want lamb rugs or Judy?
0: Well, you know, it will be interesting. I think we'll know after pick 11, if the jets take a tackle and not a receiver, if I'm the Broncos, I'm feeling comfortable about the fact that we got a chance to get one of those guys. If the jets go a receiver, all bets are off because now you could be looking at jets, Raiders, Niners, all going wide receivers. And i I would. I know what they have in Tampa, and everybody will laugh and say, "There's no way in a million years." I would not be surprised if they went. If Justin Jefferson uh, is a player that would fit the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beautifully, when you could put Godwin on one side, Mike Evans on the other, and you give Tom Brady what he's always had, which is a premier slot receiver, uh, that would be fun to watch.
2: Yeah, you mentioned the Jets maybe taking a tackle there at eleven. Which of those top four offensive tackles do you think could maybe be there at fifteen?
0: Uh, to me, it's teams are all over the map, and in other years, I'd be able to tell you and say, "Well, look, I think Andrew Thomas is the fourth tackle." But I've talked to a team that has Andrew Thomas as the second tackle. You talk to teams that have Andrew Thomas as the third tackle. You talk to teams that have Andrew Thomas as the seventh tackle. Mm-hmm. So everybody's all over the board this year. So in terms of most likely to be there, I don't think Wills will be there. I don't think Beckton will be there. Um, I think. You know, Worfs, maybe it might be between one of those two. I would guess Worfs would probably be that guy. But uh, I think when it's all said and done with so many teams having a need there, I don't know that one of those four guys gets there.
1: The Broncos have several needs. So we'll ask you about several positions here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Already went wide receiver, O-line. What kind of value do you think they could get at 15, though, for a cornerback?
0: Well, I think there's two guys that are kind of in that range, obviously Akuda is going to be gone. So for me, you look at, i even give you three guys, but I think uh, CJ Henderson, who's got a lot of buzz building on him right now. I think he's got a chance to go even, you know, number nine to Jacksonville. Um, but there's a chance he'll be there. He'll be the highest rated corner. Um, if he's not there now, you're talking about AJ Terrell and Jalen Johnson, which might be a little bit early for them. Uh, but I think they're both starter caliber corners, with you know, with toughness and size, and and uh, and just really competitive kids. So th- those would be the the three I would think you'd keep your eye on. But Henderson would be the one you'd be excited about if he was there. You
2: mentioned the buzz around Henderson. Is there a guy right now that you really like that's not really being talked about as much as you think he should be?
0: Well, I don't hear anybody talk about Jalen Johnson, and, and you know, I think he's a he's a really good football player at Utah. He he wasn't challenged very much this year. Um, they just, they just avoided him. They wouldn't go at him. And he had a bunch of production the year before, but he's fluid, he's physical. He can find him when he gets the opportunity. Um, to me, I think he's a he's a first-round player all day long that just doesn't get discussed very much. But uh, well, that's kind of that that first-round group there. You know, A.J. Terrell, it seems like there's some buzz starting to build for him a little bit because of the you know all the size that he brings to the table. He got torched by LSU in the championship game. But I think people are realizing that kid, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jeffrey, There's not as much shame in that,
1: Daniel. Do you ever go back and check out uh, some of your evaluations from uh, like last season's draft? And just wondering how those matched up with some of the Broncos rookies last year, guys like uh, Drew Locke or Noah Fant?
0: Yeah, I like both those players last year. I always try and do that. You know, a couple years removed, I'll go back and look at that, and then I can try and you know see if you can take away some lessons. What do you learn about guys you got right, guys you got wrong? But Drew Locke last year was my, uh, gosh, he was my third quarterback. So I had him ahead of Daniel Jones, and Daniel Jones obviously went with the sixth pick. So uh, I was bullish on Drew. I thought that was a great fit for him there, uh, great value for where they got him. Uh, and then Noah Fant, you know, look, the athleticism was there, and I think you saw that the moments during the season as it went along. You started to see, okay, this guy's got some real playmaking ability. I want to say it was a Cleveland game. Is that the one where he had the real long, real long touchdown?
1: Yeah, he broke a couple of tackles and then took off down the sideline there.
0: Yeah, I remember watching that tape and be like, okay, that's that's the guy I thought they were getting right there at Iowa, and he's just going to get better.
1: If Drew Locke was in this year's draft, where would you have him ranked among some of the quarterbacks? He
0: he would be my third guy. You know, he would have been uh, you know behind for me. Joe Burrow and Tua would have been in that conversation with Herbert, uh, but I would have probably had him over Herbert. I gave him the exact same grade, um, but I think Locke's a little bit more of a playmaker. Uh, Herbert's a little bit more conservative, so if you can. Of split those hairs either way.
2: Daniel, you said a Friday there might not be as much groupthink among these teams just because they're not all out these pro days. Uh, Who could be maybe the biggest shock either in terms of moving up the board or falling down in the first round?
0: Well, I think moving up, Isaiah Wilson, that's got a lot of buzz uh, from Georgia, their right tackle. Uh, There's a lot of teams that are really high on him. So I'd keep an eye on that one. Um, In terms of dropping down the board, sliding down the board, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to say. I mean, Tua is the ultimate wild card. You know, is he going to be somebody that, that goes five or six or are people really concerned about the medical and, and he drops? I think Jordan Love is another one. So, you know, the quarterbacks tend to be the more volatile players. Um, and after we get past the first, you know, 12 to 15 guys, there's really not a whole lot of difference between, you know, the 18th player and the 60th player. So I, you know, that's, that's been that way the last few years. So you're not really surprised if any of those guys kind of sneak up in there.
2: Lots of different ways things could play out next Thursday. Daniel, what should fans kind of be looking for as the draft broadcast unfolds next week from from a technical standpoint and how you'll be involved?
0: Well, it's going to be fun. We're going to be together with ESPN and uh, you know, a bunch of those guys are buddies. I've known Mel Kuyper for 20 years. I've known Chris Mortensen for over 20 years Um, you know, Booger's a good buddy. Uh, Todd McShay is great. Uh, so you're going to have on our, on our side, NFL network side, you'll have Rich Eisen's going to be hosting the fundraiser aspect of this, um, which is going to be digitally as well as, uh, on social platforms. And then we're going to have Kurt Warner and Michael Irvin and myself from NFL network, joining Trey Wingo and, and the ESPN crew. I work with Louis Riddick with the Philadelphia Eagles. So we've known each other for a long time. So there's a lot of mouths to feed but I think we've got a really kind of an all-star group of people that know these kids real well. And we're going to have some, some fun conversations about them as we go through the draft. It's going to be different. Um, you know, hopefully the technology holds up for us, but uh, you know, I'm just glad it's, it's going to go off and we're going to get a chance to, to get this thing underway Thursday night.
1: Our thanks to uh, Daniel Jeremiah for joining us here on the neutral zone. You can catch a DJ on the NFL draft broadcast. That'll be on ESPN as well as NFL network this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, three days of draft coverage, and uh, Eric, let's break down what we heard from uh, at Move the Sticks there, Uh, starting with what he had to say about Drew Locke. He said that even in this year's draft, he would still have Drew probably the third quarterback on his board.
2: Yeah, Phil, and it's kind of interesting. I'm not sure if I really have a great feel for which class is better. You know, I think that Um, you've got maybe two higher-rated prospects in Joe Burrow and Tua than maybe you would think uh, Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones would be. But, you know, Kyler was really impressive last year, probably got – I guess he was the offensive rookie of the year. Um, And obviously I think he'll take a step here in year two. And so then it just becomes a question of does Locke, does Daniel Jones, does Dwayne Haskins, does one of those guys show something – that makes it comparable to this year's class. Um, but, yeah, I guess he said he had Locke ranked third kind of in both classes.
1: Yeah, and he said that he had the exact same draft grade on Drew Luck as he does on Justin Herbert. And uh, just looking at those two coming out of college, I, I, to me personally, feel like Drew Locke is better than Herbert uh, coming out of Missouri versus coming out of Oregon there.
2: Yeah, I know that probably pains you to say, you're a big Ducks guy.
1: Uh, but, but Drew Locke's my cube.
2: So. That's, that's true. Um, yeah, he did say that Drew Locke makes more game-changing plays and that uh, Justin Herbert's a little more conservative. It's interesting because last year everyone was kind of saying Herbert's the guy John Elway wants. And so had Herbert come out last year, it's quite possible he would be the Broncos quarterback. Instead of Drew Lock, but yeah, I, I mean, I just like what I've seen from Drew, and so to me, there's no like there's no buyer's remorse in terms of being like, well, I wish we could have Justin Herbert because you've seen Drew Lock go four and one, and he wasn't perfect. His completion rate could be better. You know, he could dial down some of those interceptions, those mistakes. But we've seen examples of him playing really well that Texans game, Phil. I mean, if he can make that a more consistent thing, it's not going to happen every week, but if that can happen from time to time, that shows he's good enough to be a franchise quarterback.
1: Yeah, and we heard from John Elway earlier this week. He said, look, he's not uh, done everything that he needs to do. We know that he could still get a lot better, but he's shown enough for the Broncos to build around Drew Locke and give him a chance to win that job forever. So uh, I like how John phrased that. He's like, look, you know, he still has a ways to go, but we feel like he can get there. And, uh, yeah, I just think that um, I like what Drew can do where he trusts his arm. He's a passionate guy. He brings a lot of energy. He brings a lot of confidence. Those are the kind of things that you don't necessarily get when you're just watching tape. Uh, Those are the kinds of things that you only know maybe once a guy's in your locker room. And uh, having Drew here for a year and getting a chance to know him a little bit his social awareness is off the charts, like in terms of understanding what he needs to do to be a leader. And I think that the top players in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position, have to have that leadership quality.
2: Right, 100%. And I get that and agree with you. And I mean, we've seen that Miami might not want Herbert because he doesn't quite have that same, like, leadership forward. I don't want to say brash, but, you know, there's a confidence that Drew Locke has that I think draws people to him and makes people think, like, hey, this guy's good, in part because he thinks he's good. You know, that's, I think that's what drew Von Miller to him. He said he was a rock star. Like, that has something to do with it. And so um, I just think between that and the fact that you don't know what any of these guys are going to do. You don't know. Joe Burrow could go to the NFL and be terrible. I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, it's possible. Whereas with Drew, I think we, at the very least, you know what his baseline is now. You know, could he be better? Absolutely. But is he going to come back this year and be a lot worse than he was in those five games? That would surprise me.
1: Yeah. And I think that just looking at this year's class, Joe Burrow probably had one of the best college seasons that we've ever seen, ever. Uh, But he's only done it for the one year. So we really have – to project a little bit here, but he does appear to be the real deal. And then after that, you even heard Daniel Jeremiah say it there, is that Tua is going to be the guy who really is the big question mark that might impact everybody's draft boards, especially early on. Uh, You know, just – I think we saw Peter King this week in his mock draft say that the Patriots were going to trade up and get Tua. So there's a lot – Don't like
2: that. Do not like that
1: there's a lot going on with Tua and just how he might shift draft boards. And look, when you look at Tua's tape, if he's healthy, his reaction time and his quick twitch and and release make him a special kind of quarterback. But you just don't know if he's going to be able to, one, be 100% healthy. Uh, Teams haven't been able to work him out. Uh, So some of these things – remain a question there so i could i kind of see where dj's coming from in just the sense that coming out of school i could see maybe putting him third there but um i think you and i have a little bit of bias
2: yeah i mean i agree that there's definitely a scenario where drew could be the second guy off the board the same way that herbert could be the same the second guy off the board um two is interesting to me phil because he's been on a college all-star team, essentially, at Alabama. You know, that team has been so good. And, you know, we've talked before, Phil, about wanting guys that win, you know, drafting players that have come from a history of success so that you know what it takes to win. And kind of the flip side of that is, well, you know, like, do you want guys that elevated their program? And Tua definitely did that, and I think people have talked about him – enough that we know he's the real deal. But to me, like, Joe Burrow took that LSU team and made them into national champions. He threw 60 touchdown passes. To, uh, you know, to me, I feel like Alabama's still going to go 11-1 and one next year, 10-2 and two, with whoever ends up being the quarterback.
1: And, uh, Eric, that's a nice transition here because Tua was throwing to two of the top wide receivers in this year's oh. Yeah, Did you like that? Tua – uh, uh, uh Jerry Judy and Henry Rudge the are two of the top wide receivers when you look at tape of those guys they're wide open almost all of the time so two is just throwing things throwing those footballs into huge windows that's going to be a lot more narrow when you look at the NFL so um, that's where a lot of projecting comes out but Eric let's talk about what Jeremiah had to say there about uh, his top wide receiver, he said that it was C.D. Lamb.
2: Yeah, he kind of said the same thing we've heard from a lot of people, that it just depends what you're looking for. But he said C.D. Lamb's toughness, his ability to pick up these yards after the catch, he can play slot, he can play outside. Uh, You know, from a numbers perspective, Phil, I've been putting together – you know, just these stories on in case we draft each of these guys. You know, at fifteen, you got to prep like twenty-five of these. It's ridiculous. And CD Lamb, one hundred and seventy-three receptions, more than three thousand yards, thirty-two touchdowns in his career. But just last season, sixty-two catches, thirteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns, twenty-one yards per catch. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, he's amazing. And like uh, Jeremiah said, he's the best after the catch when. He can break tackles. He's done it on special teams. He can re- take a, um, a little short pass on the outside. He can take that to distance. And, you know, Gil Brandt compared him to Des Bryant. I feel like that's probably a good comparison there just because he's physical, he's athletic. And I think that it, uh, he's going to be a number one wide receiver wherever he goes.
2: Yeah, and I kind of love the idea. I know C.D. Lamb hasn't been linked to the Broncos as much. It's been this Jerry Judy talk, the Henry Ruggs. But the idea of C.D. Lamb and Cortland Sutton on the same team where you need two physical corners to stop those guys, most teams don't have that. Most teams have one big corner, one small, faster corner. I mean, we saw that with Akib Talib and Chris Harris here for a long time. And so what do you do if you have to essentially guard these two monsters and, you know, one – try to stop him from catching the pass, but then, two tackling them. That yeah. would be a big advantage for Denver. And then maybe you pick up a, a slot guy later in the draft that could get you some speed. I mean, that's a, that would be an impressive combination when you then toss in Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, you know. And just, I, it sounds pretty good to me.
1: Yeah, uh, just uh, thinking about what that offense could look like if the Broncos got one of the top three, four wide receivers – Uh, it would be really exciting. You would talk about no longer would it be, hey, can this team score, get to 24 points? It would be like, what happened? You didn't score 30-something points. So uh, the other wide receivers that DJ had in his top four, he started with CeeDee Lamb, then he says Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, the third, and then also Justin Jefferson. A lot of people have three wide receivers at the top, jeremiah also adding justin jefferson said that he would even be a great fit in tampa bay
2: yeah that was interesting to me and i think the whole dynamic of this receiver run that we expect phil you know with the jets maybe at 11 the raiders at 12 san francisco at 13 tampa at 14 maybe the jaguars are now interested at nine i mean the Broncos might have to move up if they want any of these guys. I mean, it's possible all four could be gone by 15. I don't think that's going to happen just because, like, it never – all these guys can't possibly go in the top 15, all four tackles, all four receivers, all three quarterbacks, whatever. But, you know, if the, if the Broncos really decide that one of these guys is who they want, moving up might be your only option.
1: And I think that when you're sitting in the Broncos position at 15, they have so many needs that maybe it would be a good thing if, say, four of those wide receivers went and all the tackles went, all the quarterbacks went. That means that a guy like Isaiah Simmons would be sitting there or, you know, something crazy like that. So I think that no matter what, if where the Broncos are sitting at 15, they're going to get a guy who's going to be a day-one starter. So – then you just have to balance whether or not you think one of these wide receivers is like a generational type of talent. Like, do you think that, um, you know, like say for example, Judy, a lot of people have compared him to like Antonio Brown. So like, if you think that he's that kind of a player, then okay, it makes sense to go up and get him. If you don't think that he's going to be like that kind of talent, then I would just stay put at 15 because, you know, no matter what, you're going to be able to get a really good player and f- also fill a big need.
2: Phil, so if Isaiah Simmons is there at 15, I will run to John Elway's house and make the call for him.
1: That would, that would be amazing. And Eric, you know, I'm a big fan of these transitions. So talking about Isaiah Simmons is a perfect segue into our next conversation, and that's with ESPN's senior writer, Jeff Legwald came out with his Leggy 100. His top player, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, Let's get to that conversation. I start out by asking Leggy, why do you rank the top 100 players versus do a mock draft like everybody else?
3: You know, Phil, I've done mock drafts in the past. That's kind of, you know, a draft staple. Uh, But I've always looked at the players, you know, evaluated the players. I, I learned. Uh, a lot of football early in my career from scouts, so that's kind of always been how I've looked at at football is how do you find good players, you know, for your team, and you know then I kind of learn uh, the strategic X's and O's through the years, but that, that's kind of backward, you know. Uh, a lot of people learn the game X's and O's on up. I, I learned the game from the players. Out, you know, scouts, uh c o Bricado, uh Blake Bettingfield, a longtime friend of mine, uh just longtime scouts really sort of taught me the game, and that's how I learned it. So I have I've evaluated players myself for 33 years, probably, and then uh the top it's probably been a 20, 20-some 20 year at least published i've always done one i have binders going back to 1987 so uh but they've been published for about the last 20 25 years or so uh,
1: What what's your process like i mean uh you have so many relationships throughout the nfl uh, how do you come up with your top 100 list
3: you know phil i don't i don't fool people i'm, I'm one guy in my dining room everyone uh mm-hmm trying to look at all these players, you know, teams have a whole uh, staff of scouts and they've got, you know, I have to track down video on my own. You know, people have been good enough to help me in the league through the years. Uh, but I got to track a lot of that stuff down on my own. And and that's why I usually start in September. Uh, and then, you know, when When the Broncos are on the road, I usually go meet with people when I'm in those cities, you know, who I know, area scouts or whatever, and just kind of grind through the year and then really hit it hard after the season's over.
1: Do you ever go back and uh, crack open any of those old binders to see how you did?
3: Oh, yeah, I know how I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You remember the screw-ups the most, uh, uh, probably. And, you know, I I go back every year to see – uh did I have some bias you know did I make bad assumptions in any place so I I always go back year to year and say okay why did I have this player here and then you know honestly you really can't grade it until the a guy's rookie contracts are over probably then you have a kind of good feel three four years down the road you can really see how you did but I try to go back every year and and just see why were the teams thinking this way and why was I thinking a different way?
1: This year you have uh, linebacker, Isaiah Simmons, number one on your list. Uh, What do you like most about him?
3: Well, Phil, I think he's going to be a safety, honestly. I, you know, I, I think, I think he's a safety, but, uh, I thought he was the best combination of future potential, uh, production in college athleticism, football IQ. Uh, honestly, you know, a quarterback's always going to have a different level of football IQ than a lot of players. But uh, I I personally saw video of him lining up at five different positions. To have that kind of football IQ is extremely rare. Now, will he be taken there? No, he, he could be taken ninth, you know. Uh, he could be down in there nine, ten, eleven for for some teams, but the top one hundred is ranking the players. I I don't really give certain positions more credit than others. I, I rank the football players and and what I think their potential is, and I I think he's spectacular.
1: Did you find this year, Leggy, that there wasn't as much consensus on guys just because the lack of pro days and everything?
3: No. Phil, I, I would say uh, most years I think the average fan would be stunned at how much difference there is on boards from team to team or even how much difference there is on players from scout to scout. I, I honestly think that would be a shock uh, for most people if if they were privy to that because uh, it's amazing to me how big the differences are when you talk scout to scout, you know, player to, you know, team to team, just how different the boards are and the reasons there are for people moving, you know, guys up and down. Uh, You know, there are tons of sort of safe players in every draft that every team likes, but the board construction overall, it is, it is, there is a big difference between teams. And I think this year, I, I think this year you'll see more players taken in the third, fourth, and fifth round where people say, oh, I didn't expect that. And I think that's where the the lack of pro days and, and those types of things will, will kick in. I, I think the first two rounds are pretty consistent. You know, I think teams have the same 50, 45 to 50 players in those first two rounds.
1: And, of course, uh, you go back and look at your list with top 100. How how many do you normally get?
3: I always feel like if you get more than 80, you've done a good job. Not You know, that doesn't mean, you know, maybe you should get more guys you think are good players that teams didn't. You know, that I, I count those, too, later on. There have been some guys who weren't taken in the top 100 that I had there that deserved to be. And the other is true too. There've been some guys I've had in the top 100 that weren't taken to the sixth round, and it turned out to be the right, the right call. So you know, but I, I think if if you get more than 80, you've done a lot of work, and 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 the board fell that way. You you really can't tell how the board's going to go uh, once it gets rolling. Uh, you know, that, that from the middle of the third round down, you're going to see there's always a divergent. You can always see it from about pick 75. Then suddenly you get a lot more of the, oh, I didn't see that coming, or I didn't know that guy was, you know, you start seeing that a little more.
1: Can you give us the name of a player maybe this year who surprised you Is might be a first-round pick that a lot of people haven't heard about? You
3: know, not in the first round. I, You know, I... I I am interested to see the corners. I I think a lot of those guys could sneak into the first round. Anecdotally, I would say the big corners, six feet, six one, nobody rises faster on draft day than those guys. Uh, When the big corners start coming off the board, those are the guys that sneak in. So like a guy like Clemson's, you know, A.J. Terrell, does he sneak into the first round? You know, some teams have a first-round grade on them. Some teams don't. But the big corners, watch those guys on draft day because then most teams have about 23, 24 legitimate first-round grades. That's why you see the teams at the back end of the first round either try to get out or they trade back in to pick that one guy who's still on the board that they have a first-round grade on. I think a quarterback will go late in the round because somebody's going to want to get back in there uh, to get them.
1: What about the wide receiver position? Have you ever seen a class this deep?
3: Never. Uh, you're going to have guys deep into the second day who probably have second round grades. You know, you're going to have a guy in the, uh, in the deep in the third round, even in the third day, in the fourth round, you'll have guys with second round grades. And that may make some teams more patient, you know, taking that position, you know, fans may say, you know, go get that wide receiver. But if, if the team has a bunch of guys clustered with the same grade, there's no reason to jump at them if you're getting the same graded player. Now, if you like one guy more than, you know, and there's a big gap there, then you go you go get him. But I, I think the Broncos will be presented with a good receiver if all four tackles have been taken by about pick 12 or so.
1: I was going to t- turn this toward the Broncos now. Uh, what, what do you feel like the team's biggest need is?
3: Uh, well, you know, Phil, we've just got, we, there, you don't draft for need, Phil. I you know. know that. <laughs> best player available. No. Uh, but actually this year, any pick you have on the board, a receiver will be among the best player available. You know, that that, that will just be a fact, you know, for all of their picks. So, Look, Phil, they, Emmanuel Sanders finished second among the wide receivers in catches for the Broncos this past year, and he didn't play for them after October. <laughs> so I would say that's a need. I, I would say they got to look at tackle. I would say you got to look at center, a center guard, uh, a linebacker perhaps, but and, and corners. I, I think they need at least one more corner, possibly two just to get the depth where you want it. Look look at the division they play in. Uh, people are going to be throwing the ball, and, you know, they need they need more depth at corner. I think that that got them a little bit last year, and, you know, I, I think those positions. But I think wide receiver, corner, uh, a tackle, developmental tackle or a guy who can play, and then uh, an interior lineman.
1: You mentioned you've been covering the draft for three-plus decades. Uh, This seems like it's going to be a historic draft, everybody in isolation. Uh, What do you expect come Thursday? Do you think this thing's going to go off smoothly?
3: Well, I I think technology will – I think will have an impact at some point. I think they will have to stop the clock, you know, probably at times because something is – you know, they've given teams that option or it's a possibility. now. first time in history you're going to be able to stop the clock. Uh, when you're on the clock. So I, I think that will happen. I think we will see it. I, there will be an inevitable, we've all experienced it now. You know, the, the league comes to the rest of the world now. Hey, what's wrong with my internet? And so I think that will happen. But in general, I think it's been more, more has been made of the preparation impact than there really is. Uh, back in the day, they didn't have as many face to face meetings with the GM, the area scout met face to face with the players, but the GM and the the other guys didn't get everybody on the board because it was impossible. So this is kind of an old school draft. And, and the teams with the good scouting staffs who, who set their board and stick to their board. Uh, I always say teams don't make football mistakes they make coworker mistakes. Uh, You know, they, they know what they see from the football, but, Is it the player who has the desire to be better, to work harder, to show up on time? You know, all the things in the workplace the rest of us deal with all the time, those that's what determines, you know, you start with talent, but it's the guys who do something with the talent who make your team better, and that's where you got to get it right, and that's that's the area scout. That's all the work. You know, the guys are already on next year's draft. You know, the area scouts, they've already moved on. They're into the spring group now. So it's those guys, you know, did they do a good job figuring out who showed up to the strength coaches on time, who handled their classwork or whatever else they had going with, you know, handled it well. That Those are the types of things you need. And the teams that did that, process well will do well in this draft.
1: And you've seen the Broncos do that in the previous couple of classes taking a lot of team captains that kind of thing so. uh,
3: Well I I think you could see Phil when 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 things haven't worked in some of the classes in recent years it it was usually uh, they took more than one or two injury gambles on the in the class or they had a lot of one-year players. to me, you can take one or two of those guys in your draft class, but you can't really stack them. So, you know, those have to be the, the, the outliers instead of the bulk of the class. And, you know, they obviously do this for a living. So, you know, they're not always going to think I know what I'm doing.
1: Yeah. But uh, maybe not just going off of athleticism or, or the stopwatch huh?
3: Well, you can't, you know, you got to have a baseline of talent. You know, there's a certain level of, you know, you can say, well, I want play speed or, you know, whatever. But there is a certain baseline for survival in the NFL. And you do, to me, you start there and then you factor in everything else. You know, you determine at every position what your baseline is. What's the shortest guy you want, the tallest guy, slowest, fastest. Get those parameters and then find all the other stuff in, in the middle of that
1: the broncos have 5 picks in this top, in the top 100 this year after looking through all that talent do you do you expect that they'll use all those
3: i you know to me you always use your picks I, I would i i don't think drafting more players is ever a bad thing i i i don't think teams do well over the long haul by ditching picks you know to me bring you know your the whole basis of your operation is your roster. So to me, you take as many players in those spots as you can, especially in the prime real estate of the first two days. You know, I, I, again, you know, know, I don't have all the data, but teams that win the first two days of the draft uh, are usually pretty good over the long haul. Uh, that's the good real estate that's why to me trading down in the first round unless you don't have any players left on your board graded in those spots there's no reason to trade down away from the better players you you already ranked the players why would you trade down away from the better ones
1: leggy last question for you here you mentioned that this is sort of an old school kind of draft with the off-season program, the, the way that it is now, and maybe a, a lack of a training camp coming up, you feel like this season, if there is a season, could have an old-school feel to it where guys went away and worked a different job and then came back and played football?
3: <laughs> it used to be. You know, when I first started covering the league, guys had summer jobs. You know, mini-camp was uh, two days in June. That was it. That was the entire off-season program, so uh, – I honestly, Phil, I do think it will take some thought on the, you know, Lauren Landau, the strength conditioning coach. It will take some long-term thinking on his part to do, what do you do with guys who've been working out on their own and each doing probably a little different program. You know, they have to think that through. And if, if there is some kind of training camp, you know, and we all hope there is, but if there is, uh, I think you'll see sort of that soft tissue injury issue, hamstrings and calf calf injuries and things like that. I, you know, it will be something teams are eventually going to have to think about. And honestly, I hope we're all thinking about it because that will mean it's it's underway and going. But, you know, as Von Miller said, I think everybody wants everybody to be safe and then get the football back.
1: Exactly. Uh, Leggy, thank you so much for taking some time to join us, and uh, stay safe. You too. Thanks, Phil. Our thanks to Jeff Legwald for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. Uh, You can look up his top 100, the Leggy 100, on ESPN.com. Eric, uh, so much talk about Isaiah Simmons there. He said that he's seen him play five different positions, and, you know, we think about maybe – that means that he's so athletic that he could transition to those five positions. Leggy talked about his football knowledge and just having that kind of awareness to be able to know what he needs to do at five different positions.
2: Yeah, I mean, we talk about the middle linebacker being the quarterback of the defense at times, but this guy, you know, you've got to know what everybody is doing, and that can only help you uh, as you're trying to do your job, whether that's him at inside linebacker, at edge, at nickel corner, uh, at safety, wherever they've got him lined up. And that to me is the appealing part about having a player like that in Vic Fangio's system where, you know, if they go in a heavy set, maybe you you find a role for him at safety. If the team is on a passing down, maybe you put him in there at at linebacker. I mean, just so many options with a guy that's as versatile as him.
1: Could you imagine him – lining up against Travis Kelsey there, like, he's sort of the answer to the Kelsey problem.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the hope, and that that's why if I were an AFC West or NFC West team where you're facing either George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, and you, you've got to figure out some way to do it. Because to me, Phil, if you can stop Travis Kelsey, the Chiefs are beatable. Because Tyreek Hill, you know, you can double him. And then you just say, hey, beat us with your running game, beat us with these other receivers. You know, maybe they still do that, but if you can cover Kelsey one on one and not devote all those resources to him when you've also got to worry about Tyreek, then all of a sudden that offense becomes a little less scary. I mean, it's still really good, but just not quite as dangerous.
1: Yeah, and I think that the other thing you could do is play a little bit further back. The Broncos have two of the best safeties in all of NFL with Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons, and then play back a little bit. You know Kelsey's taken care of, and then just let Von Miller and Bradley Chubb get after the quarterback. So, you know, I think that if the the Broncos were somehow able – this is a dream scenario, but if they were able to get a guy like Simmons, I think that they would be the top defense in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I think that there's no question they'd be right up there. And it's a dream at 15, Phil, but I think there's a situation where Simmons gets to 8, Simmons gets to 9, and at that point, maybe, you, maybe Vic starts saying, John, John, this guy's really good. Let's go and get him. I mean, now, that, that to me becomes the, the interesting thing is right now we've heard the rumors that they might move up for a tackle. They might move up for a wide receiver. Uh, but what are the odds? that Say, what happens if Jeff Okuda falls to number eight? What happens if Isaiah Simmons falls down there? Do they think enough of those guys to go get him?
1: You would love that. Akuda, oh my goodness gracious that's no. another dream scenario
2: Simmons I think is to me at least is the the better option of those two he just does more
1: I also asked uh, uh, Leggy about what he thinks about you know how this first round is going to go and he said that what he's really paying attention to are cornerbacks guys like AJ Terrell uh, Trevon Diggs Uh, some of these guys who are bigger cornerbacks he thinks that you could see a run of those guys at the end of the first round Um, so that could be another thing to pay attention to if if the Broncos end up using their first pick at 15 but also feel like they need to get a cornerback which I know you asked John Elway about on Monday uh, they might have to get back into the end of the first round if there's a run on one one of the on that position
2: yeah and that's not you know, out of the realm of possibility. If you uh, say you take, man, a wide receiver at fifteen, just just for the heck of it, and then you use forty six, and maybe you use one of your third rounders, and you can maybe you can get back in the third round, maybe you or excuse me, in the first round, maybe you get back in the high second. I mean, that becomes then an opportunity. I mean, just looking at one of these draft charts, Phil, the Jimmy Johnson point values that are assigned to him, You could use forty six and 83 and you would end up being able to get to you know 28 29 somewhere in there so it's it's possible but again you then wouldn't pick from you'd be picking twice on day one and then wouldn't pick again until 77 so I think it's worth it if you decide hey AJ Terrell Jalen Johnson uh, Trayvon Diggs one of these guys maybe maybe a CJ Anderson is falling you know in that case Maybe it's worth it.
1: Yeah, uh, it just depends on how the Broncos feel like their roster currently stands and whether or not, you know, they got five picks in the first two days, then they got another five picks. All of those guys aren't making this team. So it just depends on what what you think the state of the current roster is. I mean, do you see a situation where 10 draft picks make this roster?
2: No, but I see a situation where – all five of the day one and day two guys do and then maybe a couple day three guys I mean the Broncos still for as improved as the roster is I do think the depth can be better and we, we've talked about that last year Phil what happens if a corner goes down in the starting lineup what happens if a linebacker goes down I mean that's where the depth can be better and where there's a chance for some of these guys to make a football team and that's kind of One point I would make to all these people that are saying the Broncos have to trade up. You have to get Jerry Judy. You have to get Henry Ruggs. If the Broncos last year had decided they wanted to trade up, say they wanted to go from 10 to 7 for whatever reason, you would have gotten one player and you would have not gotten Dalton Reisner and Drew Locke. You just wouldn't have. Yeah. Those guys would have not been on your roster. And so this year you've got to consider if you want to move from 15 to 10 to get Jerry Judy. Is Jerry, Judy not, is Jerry Judy worth not getting the equivalent of Dalton Reisner and Drew Locke? And to me, I don't know that you can make that argument because we saw obviously the impact those guys had. So that's why at 15, and we'll get to this later, Phil, but I think you just kind of either stay there or you trade down and you keep those, those day two picks because everyone in the top 100 should either be an eventual starter or you know, a really solid player.
1: And that is what Legwalt said there because, you know, he ranks these top 100 guys. The Broncos are going to be able to pick five of them. He says after looking at that talent, he would use all five too. And uh, so he agrees with you there that, look, you, the, you're only as good as your roster is. And if you're able to add five guys, that's the cream of the crop is those top 100 players. And uh, if you're able to do something like that, then it makes sense to try and use all five of those picks, um,
2: Eric. It's, well, just one more thing on that, Phil. If you're one of these teams that you had kind of an, you know, like you, your 2019 season didn't go as planned for some sort of bizarre reason, or you think you're really close as a roster, like maybe you're, maybe you're Tampa or you're Dallas, and you say, hey, we want to trade up to get this one piece because it was kind of a fluke that we didn't play well, or now we've got Tom Brady or whatever, then that's one thing. But the Broncos are still developing this roster, and so I don't think you're at the point where you can afford, unless, like you said, Phil, you view Jerry Judy or Isaiah Simmons as a generational talent, that you can afford to give up a second-round pick or give up two of these third-round picks. I don't think in the long run that's going to be what benefits you.
1: And also the way that this draft is being conducted with the virtual nature of it. John Elway did say that he thinks that there'll probably be fewer traits this year. So Uh, that's another element to consider there too. So um, Eric, are you ready to try a a mock draft? I am. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the way we'll try and get this set up is that we'll pretend like we're the Broncos and we're going to do a three round mock draft and the simulator will simulate all the other picks. When it gets to the Broncos at 15, we'll talk about who, who's available. So should I get it started?
2: Let's do it. No trades, right, Phil?
1: No trades uh, in this system. So, okay. Uh, Joe Burrow, the first pick overall. I think that we can all expect that to happen.
2: Yep, and uh, not too many surprises there, Phil, as this, this top 15 rattles off. Uh, Some good players left here, though, at 15. Justin Herbert, a quarterback, still on the board, which the Broncos don't need. Uh, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy both on the board. Looks like some offensive tackles might have gone early. Looks like Josh Jones, Phil, uh, went at 14. you have got Kinlaw that went ahead. C.J. Henderson to the Raiders. Jedrick Wills to the Browns. Derek Brown went in the top ten. Andrew Thomas. Isaiah Simmons, alas, at seven. Uh, And then Mackay Becton at five to the Dolphins. That would kind of surprise me. But, uh, yeah, so lots of tackles off the board, which means wide receiver heaven for the Broncos at 15.
1: So how do you feel uh, here, Eric? So now we got to decide CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, or do you want to take a different guy knowing how deep the wide receiver group is, maybe address a different position here, knowing that in the second round you'll still be able to get a really good wide receiver
2: uh no i'm a little afraid to leave both of those guys on the board phil uh that's tough i mean i just i would lean toward jerry judy but if that's the the case either of those guys to me would be would be such a great option a i agree
1: let's make it jerry judy then okay perfect okay so the broncos with the 15th pick select jerry judy a wide receiver so, now we're feeling pretty good about the weapons.
2: Yeah, C.D. Lamb goes to the Raiders there at 19. That would That's going to be tough to deal with. Jordan Love to the Patriots at 23. Denzel Mims went off the board. Patrick Queen just kind of running off some of these guys that could have been options later. Kenneth Murray, our guy, Phil, at, at 33 to the Bengals.
1: We love Kenneth Murray. Great guy off the field. Tremendous player on the field. So uh, he's the kind of guy who would be like a Walter Payton man of the year candidate eventually, and a tremendous player on the field. So uh, now the Broncos are picking up 46, not quite as many uh, players available here.
2: You know, let's see, Who do we got? We've got uh, Ashton Davis from Cal, a safety I know people are high on. I mean, this is where it's interesting because Michael Pittman's still on the board, LaVisca Chennault, T. Higgins, Lots of good receivers if we would have waited. Um, can't play. Trayvon Diggs at corner is still there. Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, probably the best corner that's on the board still is uh, probably Diggs. Looked like we had one other one there at the top, Phil. Oh,
1: let's see. Okay, I'll go back up. Uh,
2: Igbenogany. Noah yeah. Igbenogany from Auburn.
1: Special yeah, that's kick a, kind of guy.
2: Yeah, that's a tough one because he seems raw. Um, I don't know, Phil. I would kind of decide here between Trayvon Diggs and uh, our guy Cushenberry.
1: Yeah, and this is – when we did this for the website, Eric, this was a decision that I was faced with too because, look, I think that the Broncos have a big need at center, but I'm just not sure if in the second round you go with a guy like that. And he's probably the top center on the board, so – we know yep. that the Broncos need a guy there who can start on day one. Maybe Lloyd Cushenberry is that guy. Did you wanna you wanna go with him?
2: I kind of lean toward Trayvon Diggs. Just I think the the depth at interior alignment is probably better later on than corner. Yeah, uh, Diggs is a guy that's been mentioned as a first round prospect. Okay, uh, I think if you can that. get him in the second round that maybe that's a good option.
1: Let's do it then. That's what I did for this this draft is looking exactly like the one I did for the website.
2: Oh, maybe people just like me more then. <laughs> they did vote for mine. They did. And we okay. keep going. Igbenogany went off the board. Chenault at 54 to the Bills. Let's see anybody else? Ross Blacklock has been talked about as a potential first-round pick. Cushionberry goes at 60. Hennessy end around, two Another guy from Temple that we've been talking about, Phil.
1: Yes, I uh... – his brother is a long snapper for the jets snapping is in their genes. Exactly. Okay. So the Broncos are now at 77. I still need some sort of a, on the offensive line, maybe some help on the defensive side of the ball, like a a linebacker, get some depth going. Uh, What do you say? You want to take a look at a offensive line here?
2: Yeah. Let's see what we've got there at offensive line. And then, uh, Maybe linebacker, too, could be nice. I see that we've got Malik Harrison from Ohio State on the board.
1: How do we get to a whole line?
2: Maybe just scroll down and figure it out that way. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Bryce Hall. Oh. Can we go double corners? (laughs) Is
1: that allowed? I'm not sure. I think that we need some help at interior offensive line.
2: Yeah, but maybe that maybe that can still come later. I think that with those guys
1: Okay. You're you're just uh you're just gonna go best value at every one of these spots.
2: I think you wanna go yeah, best available and you know, you take a Trayvon Diggs who I think is probably not gonna be a number one corner, but good value good value and I think pretty safe bet that he's gonna be you know, be safe enough to play gosh man that Bryce Hall is uh, intriguing, but I don't know if you can take two corners in a row. It seems seems iffy. Uh,
1: well, we know what happened last year at the cornerback position for the Broncos. Bryce Callahan goes down, uh, some other injuries there, and you're playing with guys who, you yeah. know, are sort of scrambling a little bit at the position. So,
2: well, and and you got to think that you know you signed AJ Boye, so it's a fix, but he's also older. You know, and so at some point you're going to have to revamp it completely. So I'm kind of of okay with – we've got a lot of linebackers still on the board with Troy Dye, Logan Wilson. I'd be kind of okay with taking a second consecutive corner because we've got two more third-round picks.
1: Okay, let's make it Bryce Hart. What do you think? Do you like Uh, it? The other guy you could consider here is Malik Harrison, but at that linebacker position, he's not really going to be a coverage kind of guy. More of a two-down linebacker there, so not right. necessarily what the Broncos need. So
2: I think you kind of hope that uh, Logan Wilson or Troy Dye is still there at 83 and uh, get Hall now because I, I think he'd come off the board pretty soon.
1: Let's do it. So, so far we've got Judy, we've got Trayvon Diggs, and Bryce Hall. Just a few picks later here at 83. Now let's see who's uh, still available.
2: I dial in that Logan Wilson pick, I think you know this this site, the draft network that we're using isn't on isn't as high on him, but uh some people have been talking to him about him as a potential second round pick, so to be able to get him I think at 83 is pretty pretty significant and he's a guy Phil, that I think could even be a little bit of a coverage upgrade you know it's not going to be his he's not patrick queen or or Kenneth Murray or Isaiah Simmons, but maybe better what, than what the Broncos currently have available.
1: Okay, I, I like it. I like a, a hometown kid. Exactly. You know, uh, uh, you know, grew up in Casper, Wyoming. Let's go ahead. Let's take it. Let's take it. Perfect. Still have offensive line to address. So. Exactly.
2: Troy Dye goes off the board there. We don't have to wait too long here.
1: Now we're at ninety-five. We've taken two cornerbacks, a linebacker and a wide receiver. Feeling pretty good about the value we've gotten so far,
2: Eric. I agree. And this is kind of where, Phil, if we were doing a seven round draft, maybe you you know, maybe again you draft best player available and you hold off on um, one of these interior offensive linemen because I think there are guys you can get later, like a Logan Stenberg, like a Shane Lemieux. That are good options, but uh, for the sake of this, maybe we, we figure out what this is you You got your eye on Nick Harris from Washington it looks like
1: could be a good pick could uh, could play uh, center early on for the for the Broncos uh, played in an elite conference pac twelve you know something uh, like that so we could we could go there, but I agree Eric, you we could wait for a guy like Shama Mew uh. Just a mauler there at Oregon, played a lot of football there. Um, I think that he could pair nicely at that other guard position. So, uh,
0: yeah,
2: if you want a center, it looks like we had a uh, Wisconsin's Tyler Biadas. Biod- that one's. Uh, yeah. I can, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. <laughs>
1: Well, what do you think? You you want to wait till day four for those guys? You wanna you wanna go to a different position? Um, let I, I would say let's go ahead and take Shane Amu. That's that's a guy that I'm high on. But.
2: Okay, I'm okay with
1: it. Or do you want to take Nick Harris?
2: No, I think uh, Shane Lemieux, Lemieux works, He's a guy. Uh, like you mentioned, will probably play guard, and so it's just a question of how, how comfortable do you feel. We can take him, though. I think the the Broncos will have to decide, do you want a guy that mainly plays guard, that can play center, or or the other way around?
1: Maybe maybe move uh, Glasgow at center. If you feel like uh, Lemieux could come in and, and contribute, I'm going to go ahead and take him. And that's going to wrap up our mock draft there, Erica. How do you feel like we did? Do you feel like we, we were faced with some tough decisions Right off the bat, it's really going to be how high do you feel about one of those top wide receivers?
2: Yeah. Um, to me, I like the value we were able to get with some of these guys. Two corners to me doesn't feel like too much. Um, I think there's options later in the draft at an interior offensive linemen, so I wouldn't freak out if I were a Broncos fan, and they don't address that until – Late in the third round, the fourth round, the fifth round—that's still fine. They can still find a starter. I would focus heavy on wide receiver, corner, and linebacker in those first three rounds. Um, Now, if a guy like Cesar Ruiz or Lloyd Cushenberry is there, and the value isn't for these other positions, then hey, go ahead. But um, yeah, it just becomes a a question, Philip. You know, do you want to? Linebacker is kind of interesting because there's a, a huge drop, I think, between those first three guys and everybody else, but. For corner and interior line, you've got to decide which one do I take in the second round and which one do I wait a little bit.
1: All right, Eric. So we've gone through the mock draft. We've gone through weeks and weeks of uh, doing some of this. What do you think would be an ideal situation for, for the Broncos here over the first few rounds?
2: Yeah, Phil, my kind of dream scenario is trading down from 15 – You know, maybe you go to 20. I know the Broncos have, they got Noah Fant there last year. Pick up an extra third rounder, maybe a late second rounder. Uh, Take Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen there at 20. I think an instant starter at linebacker, which is going to be an upgrade, makes that defense good. In the second round, I'd take one of these wide receivers that's still there. Maybe you use those extra picks to move up into late in the first round or early in the second and get. You know that tier one A guy uh grab a corner in the a corner or a lineman in the second, and then kind of use the third round to supplement because you look at some of these drafts, even the ones that John Elway has done a nice job of the last few years, the guys that build your core are in rounds one through three, and so even if you find good value later, that's th- those guys are few and far between, so I think the focus of the Broncos should be these first two days. Go after it, uh, get some picks, find five to six really good impact players, and that should put you in a position, I think, to compete for a playoff spot.
1: Eric, I, I'm right there with you. I think that, uh, if you know, I think it's easy to just say, okay, just move down. But as John Alway always says, you got to find somebody to trade back with. I think that if you find a, a wide receiver needy team that like really needs like a number one kind of guy, I think you can move back a little bit. I think that that might present itself where they could trade back into that early 20 range and take a guy like Kenneth Murray. When you read about Murray, uh, he just sounds like a Denver Broncos player. Uh, Doesn't like to come off the field, played a lot of football, uh, really smart kind of guy. I think that he would be a perfect fit the only reason I would, the only situation where I wouldn't try to do something like that is if you can move up and take Isaiah Simmons. If that situation is not uh, going to become possible, then I would try to move down, try to take a Kenneth Murray kind of guy. Then in the in the second round, I would try to, I would try to focus on a guy like Lavisca Chenault, where you think that he's got first round grade on him. Some injury concerns, but earlier this week we found out that he's about 100% healthy. He should be recovered from his core muscle surgery. And that guy can do so much for you. He, he can take these screen passes and go the distance. He's big. He's tough. He can – I think that he is what an offensive weapon looks like in today's game. If you pair him with a guy like Melvin Gordon, Philip Lindsay, then you're talking about some serious versatility in your offense and the Broncos don't necessarily need that number one kind of guy. They already have Cortland Sutton, So I think he would pair nicely in that room. Um, And then I would focus on offensive line. If you could, we saw the impact that Dalton Reisner made last year immediately came in. And really, if you can get a guy like Shane Lemieux either at the end of the third round early in the, uh, on the third day, then you're talking about a pretty formidable offensive line in my opinion. So um, those are the three areas, wide receiver, linebacker, O-line I would try to focus on. And whenever you're – well, and I guess they need a cornerback. That is going to be one thing where maybe come after the draft they can go free agent.
2: Yeah, I think if you keep all five picks, it's, it's pretty easy to go linebacker, wide receiver, interior, offensive line, corner, all in those first five rounds. It's, if you trade up, and you lose, say, say you send 15, 77, and 95 to a team to go to eight. You know, that might get it done, we'll see. And then you get Simmons. Well, now you can still get a wide receiver in the second round. You have to use that one third round pick, I would think, on uh, you know, a corner, and then I would take an interior offensive lineman later. And then because you're probably not getting a starting caliber corner, at least right away, That's when Phil. We've talked about you could go out and sign a veteran guy. The Broncos still have a decent amount of cap space, and so um, you know, finding someone to fill that spot, I think, is quite possible. So, I know people, and I have said it too, that I I would prefer to keep that depth. But there is a way to still go up and get one of these premier players and fill the needs. It just uh, it becomes a little more difficult.
1: And it might not be costing you this year. It could also be future draft picks uh, down the line. So it just depends on what you're willing to give up. And, you know, we we heard uh, Legwald say this in our conversation with him, but, you know, this year in particular, you're going to have to trust some of the research that your area scouts have done. Have they found out who some of these high character guys are? Because we've seen the Broncos do this the past several years where they're taking team captains, guys who are locker room, they're going to strengthen your locker room and if you trust what your area scouts are telling you I think that could really heavily sway what the Broncos do
0: here so
2: yeah one thing to keep in mind Phil as people talk about the Broncos moving up John Elway has never traded away a future pick on draft day that's higher than a fourth rounder so he's never said take next year's first take next year's second doesn't mean it can't happen but uh I think we know John values those picks and keeping flexibility for the future. So I wouldn't expect them to do anything too crazy, especially this is a building team. I don't think this is a, anyone feels like this is a championship window that is closing now and you've got to immediately do something to, to win a Lombardi trophy. I mean, this team should be hitting its stride over the next few years. And so uh, don't do something now that's going to put you in a position like the Rams, for example, where – you know, now all of a sudden you're in a little bit of trouble there. So
1: I agree, Eric, uh, how aggressive John Ellie and his team is in this, uh, in this draft is going to tell you a lot about how he feels about this roster. If he stays pat and takes all these picks and wants to build the depth and continue growing that way, I think that'll tell you, Hey, still maybe a year or two away from really contending and pushing it. Um, but obviously the goal is to win now. He's, that's always been the message. And I think that if you do that, you can still win now and make the playoffs. But uh, if he goes up and gets a guy like Simmons, maybe he's saying, look, I'm ready to push this and, and make it so that we can uh, go all in here in the next year or two. So, um,
2: you know, the one, thing know. To, the one thing to be weary of, Phil, is that say you move up to get Judy or Simmons and you give up 3 picks then Judy or Simmons gets injured and misses the season then all of a sudden you're essentially losing 3 guys for the year you know compared to if you stay put and you draft these guys they're going to make a contribution in some way so you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket when you trade up for a guy
1: and I don't think that LA does that he usually slow plays things is really smart with his picks and and knows what the value is versus trying to overpay for some position. So I'd be really surprised if he, uh, if he did something like that. But that would tell you if, if Simmons is available and they do that, that would tell you, hey, Fangio has really pounded the table and said we need a guy like this. So the beauty of it all, Eric, is we'll find out on Thursday night.
2: That's true. Soon enough, Phil.
1: Uh, Eric, before we wrap up this show, any shout-outs to get to? We didn't do shout-outs last week, so –
2: Liz Marianas must be devastated.
1: Yes. Any outs? Um,
2: maybe the IT people that are keeping us connected. It's nice. Uh,
1: IT people have been at uh, Elway's house. They've been at Fangio's house. They've been at the personnel department's houses, uh, Making sure that this draft goes off without a hitch. It's going to be really interesting to see if any team has to stop the clock uh, that's something that's going to be available to them. So uh, shout out, definitely shout out to the IT folks.
2: Yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, anyone can send us a message. We've been having some good Twitter Twitter interactions, Phil. And,
1: and, uh, uh, we'll have it all covered come uh, Thursday night. Uh, our broadcast folks are going to have a, a live show. I believe that uh, Corlin Sutton is going to join them. So. Be on the lookout for that. Plus uh, you and me and uh, Sydney Jones will be uh, doing some analysis and uh, hopefully we can catch up with uh, Elway Fangio and the pick, uh, whoever that ends up being on Thursday, Eric. Uh, I think that uh, it should be exciting. So uh, we'll see what happens on Thursday night. The Bron- We know one thing that's going to happen. The Broncos are going to be a better team on Thursday. So.
2: That's true. Phil, before we go here, uh, not who you want them to pick, who are the Broncos going to pick Thursday?
1: If you were to just uh, ask me right now, I say that uh, Jared Judy is the pick. Wow. I think that's what they're going to do. I think that – uh, I don't think they're going to have to move up for him. I think that he's going to be available to them there, and uh, I think that they'll go ahead and pull the trigger there. What do you say? I I
2: just have a feeling about this Kenneth Murray thing, Phil. I know that I've said it's the dream scenario, but I also I, – I, it just makes a lot of sense, you know, the way – if that doesn't happen, I think another guy, we saw Daniel Jeremiah uh, project Javon Kinlaw. That's not going to make people thrilled, I don't think, but we know John always drafts best player available, and if he's there at fifteen. It'd be interesting.
1: It would be interesting, Eric, and I I like how you just hedged your bet right there. I
2: hedged. I hedged a little bit. I'm saying Kenneth Murray. Okay. I'm saying Kenneth Murray.
1: You got Kenneth Murray. I got Jerry Judy. Good thing that we're recording this so we can go back to the tape, and uh, we'll find out for sure. We'll probably both be wrong, so.
2: That's true. It'll probably be uh, Joe Burrow. No, not to hedge, to
1: not to hedge, but I do like Kenneth Murray. I really think that that guy's gonna yeah. be really good. I saw. It's funny how you do research on these guys, and then you look at the mock drafts. And I saw one mock draft where Kenneth Murray went to the Baltimore Ravens, and I was like, "Of course he would go to the Ravens. That makes sense. He's just going to be one of those great Raven linebackers." And then, and you then you I'm like, "Well." Calm down. Maybe he gets so good. Yeah, relax. <laughs> relax. Yeah. yeah. You're like,
2: of course, the Patriots got Jordan Lover going to make him
1: really good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, maybe we'll be saying that about whoever the Broncos pick on Thursday night. Uh, just to recap, thank you to Daniel Jeremiah and Jeff Legwald. Hopefully, you enjoyed some of their insight. Some of the top minds out there that are covering the draft. You can get them right here on the neutral zone. So, thank you to those guys, and then also thank you to us for going through the mock draft. I mean, that's
2: thank you to us. I appreciate. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're welcome. Uh, so, uh, hopefully, you enjoyed that, and we'll be back next week uh, with some more coverage of whatever unfolds this weekend. Should be some exciting stuff. So, stay tuned. Until then, for Eric Dalala, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The The
2: Neutral Zone. Zone.